2: Welcome to Car Selling Secrets with Doug Sprinthal,
1: Alex Bernard Rasmussen,
2: Special Guest,
1: Kathy Barth,
2: Andy Bernard,
1: and Cassie Schrader.
2: And we'll be right back, kick off Car Selling Secrets. Are we going right to you? Yeah. I knew it. All right.
3: Oh, I think we have a commercial.
2: Well, that's what I meant. I thought you wanted to do commercial. No, it it it's tomorrow. not me. Come on. I like it when it's you. Frenchaw okay. and Brian. Yeah, play that one. Okay. <laughs> Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets.
3: We still have to rename this thing because there's really not much secrets being shared. And there's only so many secrets in the auto industry anyway. So if anybody in listener land has a cool groovy name, the talk and text line is always open. I can't remember what it is. 612-295-1526. 295-1526. 295-1526. We welcome your comments and criticisms. In studio, and I'm really excited about this person being here, is an old friend, Kathy Barth. Uh, she works for Mazda. She is a district sales manager? What is your title? I'm sorry. I guess
5: now it's zone manager. Just Z- recently Oh! They, they, they She's like a to zone re- manager. It. Yeah. And
3: uh, hats off to her for agreeing to come in. And thanks to Mazda, the PR department. I've tried to get other reps in, but you know, the bigger companies get, the more red tape they are, and they're oh, like, really? Can you send us a list of the questions you're going to ask?" And I'm like, "You've apparently never listened to the podcast. Yeah, apparently not. No idea. Or my entire about.
2: career. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Pretty much. We're just going to kind of
3: wing it and make fun of everybody. That's generally our MO. So anyway, like welcome, it. Kathy. Um, we always have guests start out, uh, car selling secrets, with telling a story about. The first car that you ever owned. Oh, I like
5: it. Oh, this is an interesting one for me. Um, in high school, my dad didn't let me have a car. I don't know if he didn't trust me. or. Was it a
3: boy thing? or?
5: <laughs> I don't know. My brothers did all have cars, and I was the only one that didn't. So, so I didn't did have a car. Uh, Minnetonka. Oh, you did? Okay. Yep. Right. Went to Minnetonka High School. Oh,
3: you were a skipper.
5: I was a skipper. skipper. Still a skipper.
3: The Fighting Skippers. Yeah. That's I'm a great a name <laughs> for fighting a high school the skippers. football team. Here come the
0: skippers. <laughs> So then anyway. I went
5: out to college in Montana. I didn't let me have a car in college either. Came home to Minnesota after college, and I bought a car from my friend whose dad owned a big um, food packaging company, and they sold their demos. And so I bought a Cutlass Sierra. Do you remember that oh, car? Oh, yeah. Absolutely.
3: <laughs> the mighty, mighty Sierra.
5: At a very, very good deal. And I had it about three months and I had gone out the night before and was downtown, and I started it up in the morning. Bible group meeting? Yeah, Bible group meeting. Yeah. And I was out with my current husband. Uh, we weren't married at that point. And, uh,
3: <laughs> Your current husband? Yeah. yeah you've only been is. married <laughs> once. Yeah. And you introduced to him. This is awesome. Is he listening?
5: If you could call my now in, it's 612 I meant my 295 <laughs> 1526. Mr. Husband. Barth, please phone us immediately. <laughs> um, and I started the car up and it started on fire. <laughs>
2: oh, God. Your car started on fire? From the hood. Well, that's not <laughs> the a good day sign. after
5: you bought it? No, about three months after. Oh, three, I okay. A really cold morning. <laughs> oh, my um, gosh. I was about a block away from my now husband's house and we didn't have cell phones.
2: <laughs> no. So I right.
5: ran to a neighbor, knocked on the door. Started on called Sean and I said, my, my car is on fire, you have to come. He's like, Yeah, right. And he hung up on me. Oh, God! Oh. Oh.
3: That's why it's your current, oh. husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your you're current just, husband. You're just waiting for the right moment. So <laughs> I had
5: to keep asking the neighbors um, to let me use the phone again and kept calling Sean and saying, You got to come get me, my car is on fire. So that's oh, my, my first. That's so a you, good one.
3: You didn't think of calling the, what's their, what fire, department? the fire department?
2: The <laughs> fire department.
5: I didn't. I called him. That was my I first didn't. instinct to call him and say, you got to come help me. So. You know, the
2: same thing happened to me. Their mother, one of our, the first times I was ever at her house. Your I current was, wife. My <laughs> current <laughs> wife, yes. I'm never
5: going to live that <laughs> no, you're, <not>. you're, <laughs> <not>. you're <laughs> done.
2: So I'm at her house. and It was freezing cold. So my, well, it actually must have been a few months after I met her then, but I was at her house. And I had an Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme with the Landau roof. Oh, <laughs> did it have T-tops? Uh, yes.
3: That was like, when I started selling cars, and by the mid-'80s, that was the best used car. If you took it one was. of those in and trade, it would be gone before the customers got out of the
2: finance right. office. Everybody right. wanted that car. Unfortunately, that one caught on fire, too. Because I... <laughs> I started it up. It was freezing cold outside, and it just burst into flames. Yeah, oh,
6: my gosh.
2: And then my Chrysler Baron, I told you, less than a year old, and the front wheel fell off while taking a turn. <laughs> uh, nice car building back in the yeah. 70s. And right it wasn't
3: particularly great. No, so. it was
2: yeah. not particularly great.
3: Kathy, why don't you, I, I know how this works, but uh, we have a lot of listeners that aren't really in the car business, obviously. And it, it's interesting. Every once in a while, I'll run into somebody that thinks that, Mazda owns the Mazda dealerships, Toyota owns. They don't understand how the structure set oh, up. So yeah. if you could tell, obviously, uh-huh. we're all independent franchisees. Uh, but talk about how the, the manufacturer relationship with dealers works and what you do and all that sort of
5: stuff. All right. I would say um, as a district manager, you're kind of the, li- the liaison between the dealerships yeah. and the corporate structure of Mazda, what goes on in the corporate world. The production of vehicles, the advertising of vehicles, the standards of how we want our facilities, and then how we communicate with our customers and connect to our customers. And I think that's probably the key with Mazda and, and any manufacturer is making sure that all the corporate goals get down to the dealership level and then passed on to the customer and connecting with the customer base in local markets. But dealerships all are independent businesses.
3: That's right. But they they, you know, it's... And I don't know who started this, which manufacturer. It was probably back in the 70s or 80s, but I guess it was the domestics. But they went tried to get a uniform look across all the dealerships. Uh, you know, Mazda came into the U.S., I think, in the it the late 60s, early yeah. 70s or yeah. so, when a lot of the Asian OEMs showed up, like Honda and Toyota, Dots and now Nissan. And they pretty much... If you could fog a mirror in those days, you could become a, a like a Honda dealer because, you know, the, the right. Americans had 90% of the U.S. market. Everybody else, including the Europeans, fought over 10%. So.
5: And very little knowledge. of.
3: That's right. And some of them did not do do very well, but um, I worked for, even though I worked for Walzer for a long time, I was lucky enough to work for Maury Wagner, and that's how he got his start. He was a mechanic in Long Lake. Uh, and all these uh, manufacturers, like Mazda, said, uh, how would you like to be a car dealer? And he went, well, sounds I, I, good. Sounds like might be fun. What do I do? I said, well, yeah, get a building, and we'll send you some cars and parts. Now, obviously, it's changed dramatically mm-hmm. since those days. But you know, to me, that doesn't seem like it was that long ago. No. Um, I, I will tell you, I I've got some Mazda blood in me. It's it's weird. I was the new car director for a long time, and it's a bit like having ten kids, and that you're not supposed to play favorites. But you always have a few of them that you really like. And when I fr- first went to work for w- the Walzers, uh, I was the—I uh, got a phone call. It was a team lead at Towsley Ford, which is now Auto Nation. And this crazy guy named Jack called up and said, "Hey, you're here, pretty good. How'd you like to be a new car sales manager?" And I was completely unqualified for that. I was 24, 25, and I said, "Sure, I'll take it." And I went to work and selling Mazdas. And it was—it was really—it was, re- was a different world back then. But some of the things about Mazda. Are still true today. It's a, it's a smaller company, uh, which in a way allows them. It's a little bit more fragile, but allows them to be a little bit more flexible. Um, and, and they do. Co- they've always done cool product stuff. They've, I'm personally kind of a contrarian, and some of the stuff that Mazda's developed over the years, nobody else would mess with it. Pro- probably most notar- notably the rotary engine, which first appeared. Actually, in a car called the Cosmo, and then the RX3, but most famously in the RX7s. It was a rotary engine. It was a German design. Actually, it's it's not without problems, but it was cool that Mazda actually had the I hate to say balls to build it because the it's very small, very small displacement engine creates a whole ton of horsepower, not a lot of torque. The problem with them is that they're really difficult to manufacture. Super close tolerance, and as times go on and robots get more involved and all that sort of stuff and computers, it's gotten better. But uh, I remember in the early 80s, the some of the rotaries were like, whew. it kept us in business because of the warranty claims, but, you know, that's 50 <laughs> years ago. Now, are they going to bring, I keep hearing the last uh rotary-powered Mazda was the RX-8, which was, oh God. I'm trying to think, like, oh, I'm going to put you on 06? the spot. Oh, six. Oh, two to oh, six, something yeah. like that. Are they gonna? I keep hearing rumors they might bring it back.
5: Well, again, the PR. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you can't anything. tell secrets. However, what we do keep hearing sure. is the rotary engine is not dead okay. at Mazda, and it'll never be. It's something that there's part of their heritage, and they're super excited about it, and they call it part of their Challenger spirit. So. Um,
3: no, I, I get that you can't disclose secrets because we have a lot of spies listening from. <laughs> Oh, Japan, a lot of, I get uh, true. So crazy people from some company called Toyota keeps tapping the line yeah. so.
1: I got a text from Officer Dave he wants to know if Mazda is still majority owned by Ford or did Ford...
3: you want to explain that?
1: Ford divested
5: in 2011 mm-hmm. so they, they are not... They owned
3: about a third at one point, right?
5: Yep. Okay. And we had some um, factory presence together in Detroit and we no longer do
3: but it's my so they had a, a, a assembly plant in Flat Rock, Michigan, where they made the six two six and the Ford Fusion
1: and the Mazda six after Mazda the six two six.
3: Oh, that's right, the Mazda six. Sorry.
1: I know they used to build the the Mazda. Is it the what was it like the B one hundred the truck? The B two thousand or two thousand that was like the Ranger. It's a Ford they, Ranger.
3: It was a sister car. These built yeah. those. Yeah. yeah they used so to the the, the the number was the designation of the engine. So two thousand was a two liter okay. Ranger pickup that said Mazda. On I couldn't remember
1: the model. But yeah. but yeah, yeah, I remember because my ex husband worked at the Ford plant and they would filter in those Mazda trucks as they were going down the line.
3: Oh, did they? Okay. I
1: believe so. Yeah, for a short time, you know, and it was, I want to say it was, I think after the Firestone tire incident, that's when it kind of petered out.
3: Well, yeah, yeah, I think the recession killed off the yeah, truck. Was, Sadly, yeah. I think that was a big mistake on they're both They're bringing it back. That was. Yeah, they're bringing it back, but it's not the same. It's like, it's like the Chevy Colorado. It's about the size of a Silverado. It's a big truck.
1: Yeah, I know. It it, it looks just like an F, three. You know, one fifty. Yep. Just a little bit smaller. Yeah. So.
3: So it's my understanding, and again, stop me if this is a secret, but. Mazda and Toyota are partnering in an assembly plant.
5: Correct, in Huntsville, Alabama. scheduled to open up in 2021. They'll still be developing a Toyota and developing a Mazda, um, but we'll be working together on safety features and some technology and partnership in that.
3: And what what are you going to build in Alabama?
5: We are building a CX model. They have not announced which CX model. Um, It sounds like it will be an all-new one. Um, they have not oh, announced God, that Oh, God, can't, I can't pin you down <laughs> <to anything. Anyway. laughs>
3: And it's it's very interesting, uh, with the reason Kathy and I are laughing, there is a whole segment of the automotive press that just thrive on announcing stuff before the manufacturers yeah. announce stuff. So it's, uh, you know, we always say when you want to learn about new product, just read automotive news or road and track. So there is a – and that is the hottest segment in – whether it's a secret or not, in, in the automotive market right now is that small, mid-size SUV, CUV crossover. The And Mazda has two entries, actually three. three. The cx Nines of more of a full size, but mm-hmm. the CX-3 and the CX-5 are, um, are very strong competitors. CX-5 is probably, is that 60% of Mazda sales roughly?
5: Yeah, and in August, you know, we had a yeah. crazy August for the Mazda dealers here, and it was 10% of that segment which is probably the highest in the country. Well you
3: guys are smart and I'll tell you why and so again Toyota people don't bother listening. <laughs> Mazda is in tune with the local Minneapolis market and they do two things every year that's incredibly successful and nobody copies It's that they have additional rebates just for the auto show in Minneapolis because in most parts of the country the auto show is like oh they have an auto show here? here it's a big deal and the state fair and you guys have done it as long as I can remember and they just have Kick ass, August, And you look at the numbers and psh.
5: and they also participate the dealers' partnership with Mazda to have this wonderful display right in front of the grandstand. Yep. so everyone can see our cars. And when you have two million people, a lot of people don't want to go all the way up to Machinery Hill, and they get to see us. We're right by Sweet Martha's, so that's been wildly successful. Oh, so
2: you,
3: you load them up on cookies and
5: get the them blood sugar there. there. you go.
2: <laughs> have some cookies. No, i got to ask you a question. There's a magazine called Rodent Track.
3: Road and Track, sorry. Rodent track. track. I thought he said Rodent Track. No, no, like, no. no what the ever-popular Rodent well, Track magazine. wait a minute. Road and Track? Yeah. It still says <laughs> Rodent
2: Track. Why would you name your magazine Well,
3: that? because Car and Driver was taken, I well, guess. I don't true. know. There's a <laughs> bunch of them. Jalopnik's a big Road one. And track, the little tiny paw Marks. Spies all over the country with these cameras and they're trying to shoot. And the manufacturers will camouflage them, so they'll take the new Subaru Outback and they'll put, like, plastic uh, with magnets all over it and draw zebras on it, so you really can't tell what the car looks like. It's just oh, a big God. game that's gone oh, on for, for, for 50 years. It is kind of fun, so. Um, God, I just lost my train of thought here. I was going to ask you another
2: question. Because you got all excited.
6: I have to say, I drove a Mazda when I was a nanny, and I remember being like, this is a wonderful car.
3: What did you have? Do you remember?
6: It had three rows.
3: Probably a CX-9. Probably a CX-9, yep.
6: I don't know. They only had one kid. I was like, why do you have this giant car with this one (laughs) child? If I
3: remember right, that did something that's really rare, and I'm just working from my memory. That was Motor Trends. SUV of the year, yeah. two years in a row, wasn't yeah. well, really. Which never happened. Yeah, I remember I think CUV, it was, yep, CUV because okay.
5: they didn't call it and it didn't go into that that's SUV right. class. Oh. Yeah, but I remember
6: the first couple times I drove it, I was like, I like this thing. I need to remember this for when I need three rows. Of yeah.
3: Which is coming up right now. Yeah. We right should now. talk to my friend Kathy. Yeah. <laughs> we'll Ooh, be right back after some really boring words from one of our sponsors. <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. that's a shot. Hilsky. That's a shot. <laughs>
2: Or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK.
0: Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
2: We're, go ahead. No, no, I'm fine. I was just thinking either Doc Catchmark or Joe from Louisville will be able to find out. I think I will be the only morning show guy that's been on the same morning show in the same market for forty years. I think I don't think it's ever happened before. There's probably 35. some
3: guy in a hundred water up in northeastern Maine that's been doing it count. since '52. Wow.
2: That does not count. Sorry, it's a little bit different pressure level there.
3: We're back with Kathy Barth from Mazda. Talk and text line is open. That number again is 612-295-1526. I um, want, want you to talk to Tom about uh, your boys. Spe- 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 the boys. Specifically Jack, Jack and the State Fair and all that stuff.
5: All right, Jack became a fan um, of Tom because every morning at school, starting at about 11, my husband was like, are you sure he's not too young to listen to Tom Bernard on the way to school? <laughs> well, but, um,
3: I know what you're talking about because when my daughter was young, some of those bits I had to ride the fader like uh PA My Linda mom McCartney's never let us listen to it. He's our own father.
6: She's yeah. like,
5: no, we can't listen to that. But Jack quickly became like his biggest fan. So um, we would go to venues where Tom was, and one of them was the state fair. And this was back in 2015 when the election was kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. And Jack always said, People should get their politic information from Tom Bernard because he's so fair. He just, he either likes you because you're. I love this kid. (laughs) (laughs) He likes you if you're a good person, and he dislikes you if you're a bad person. And he's Mm. always honest. So. Um, jack used to listen to that stuff so he said i gotta get to the fair and see tom bernard and i gotta have them ask me a question let me ask tom a question so it was pouring rain my other son ben was like there's no way this is worth it <laughs> Ben would be the
2: older brother ben's, like... the,
5: ben's the little brother oh yes oh wow oh, yeah. um you and pill. uh
2: yeah, pill. <laughs> exactly.
5: So we got them some cookies, and we sat there in the rain. And Jack raised his hand every single time he went for questions. Oh, and finally, Cute. they came to Jack, and Jack said, "I'm wondering who you're going to vote for." And Tom talked and talked, and said he didn't know. But he said, "I'll tell you what: in 15 years, if you're up there, I'll remember and I'll vote for you, Jack." Because they went back and forth on what ideas Jack had and what They're ideas very Tom smart had. smart kid. Yeah. And then we got to hear it on the radio, and it was, like, Jack's best day in the world. Oh. So, oh, cute. So,
2: where, how do you get so smart? Both of you and your husband, are just you?
5: Neither one of us. We have no idea. <laughs> Neither <laughs>
2: Neither we always look, look
5: at each other and go, how is he so smart? So um, Switched at birth. Yeah, he's really smart and interested in, in everything. So.
2: Well, it's a good thing, though. So, and Ben lived through it, though. Ben lived through it. That's good. I'm glad to hear that.
5: And I think... You, one Christmas, got a shirt signed for Jack. Yep, I did. And again, like, we spent thousands of dollars on Christmas, and his favorite thing was the KQRS <laughs> shirt signed by Tom. You should have brought so. Jack in with you. It's
2: a whole okay. Jack is now. That's
5: cool. He is six, almost 16.
2: Almost 16. Is he going to get a car soon? He is going to
5: get a car.
3: Oh, I know a couple God. of dealers yeah. I can direct you to.
5: And we have the brand picked out already. Oh, oh really? <laughs> oh do you? Do you really? Sure. That's interesting.
3: Not an Oldsmobile, I would it
5: is bet. The kids <laughs> no, no, be like be will not that. start on fire. Yeah. <laughs> good.
2: Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. That's always nice to hear because it's, you know, you don't get, you just talk into a microphone and there's nobody else there and you have you don't get immediate reaction. So it is nice to hear those things. It really is. Yeah.
5: And now five years later, still driving all the way out to Victoria from Minnetonka. And it's a 25-minute ride, and that's one of his favorite things. And it's brought a lot of conversation between the two of us from things we've heard on well, the, that's great. the radio show. So that's a, a neat connection to have with your kid,
2: Tell a Jack local guy. To always he can be the leader at 15. He can be the leader now and treat everyone the same. Yeah. Not better, yeah. not worse, the Everything. same.
5: I think that's one of the messages he loves hearing from you. Well, so. that's true. Yeah.
2: it's true. That's all word anybody could ask for. Yep. That's
1: it. Yeah, my boys feel the same about Tom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, that I'm a pill? No, they love you. They would laugh. <laughs> they would laugh. I would listen to KQ, driving them to school. Some of the stuff was a little inappropriate. I would just say, don't repeat that. Yeah, it's there. <laughs> <nice. laughs> but, yeah. Our, our, my oldest is the same age as yeah. your son. Mine's Jack, too. Oh, so. yeah. yeah, my Mom my, thinks you're okay. Just,
2: oh, <laughs> just basically okay. My mother, I Sage do remember, really one of it. the first shows, uh, I... My mother calls me after the show and oh, says... Oh, God, I cannot
6: even imagine oh, your mom listening to it was hilarious. To... <laughs> she was oh, like,
2: geez. you think it's okay to call the mayor of Minneapolis a bastard? <laughs> I said, I don't know. We're going to find out, Mom. We're going to find out just how it But it's because of my mother that I am the way that I am. There's no doubt of it. She raised me, and she was a very outspoken person. If you didn't like it, tough up. That's just mm-hmm. the way things are. She was great. She was a wonderful woman, no doubt.
3: I have some, a couple automotive questions for you. And All this right. isn't uh, about Mazda, but I, I need to explain it a little bit, and I want to get your take on it. Um, a few years back, in I, I look at brands as being mainstream, where volume cars like Mazda, mm-hmm. Honda, Ford, Chrysler, so on and so forth. And then you have luxury brands like Audi, and although Audi didn't used to be. They kind of snuck in the mm-hmm. back door. Mercedes, Porsche, so on and so forth. And it was probably eight or nine, maybe a little bit longer than that, that the mainstream brands started to adapt the highline marketing covenants. And what that means is the manufacturers would control what dealers can share in a public forum like radio or a podcast or on a website in terms of pricing. And I understand. I think why the OEMs do that, and I don't want you to speak for the entire industry. It's just your opinion. It it does have to do with brand protection, right? You don't want you don't want Mazda to look like you're selling mattresses and come on in, and they're never be lower again, and a dollar over cost, and we're going out of business. Hurry, hurry, hurry! Because that's what's the word we're looking for, Alex? Is it sleazy, huckstery, huckstery, slimy? I like (laughs)
4: huckstery.
3: But the but. As a retailer, the problem that that generates is we think that for the most part, by the time they get a potential customer gets down to our level, they've made most of the product decisions already because they have access to all this information. So they really kind of want to know two questions Do you have it? And how much? Right. And we can't, <laughs> in a lot of cases, and Mazda is not alone. Now, Subaru. Mazda, Honda, Toyota, Nissan, pretty much all, almost everybody. And
5: nearly all the
3: luxuries. All the luxuries, yeah. Mercedes, you can only advertise MSRP, that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, every brand has slightly different rules, and, and I don't want to bore people to death. But
2: what, Why not? You always do.
3: That's why <laughs> I bring especially, guests in. people. Michael <laughs> Bryant, <laughs> especially <laughs> Michael. Yeah. If I wanted to bore people to death, I wouldn't bring in any guests. So what's your take on all this? What do you think about that structure, good and bad?
5: I think it's been all good, truthfully. Okay. I understand the retailer's concern because, like you said, the customer wants to know exactly what he can buy the price for. Um, but I think it it does keep all brands more even, and it doesn't seem like there's this giant sale every single day. And I think that sometimes confuses the customers when they see such vast differences. Oh, and we're really we, good at
3: confusing people when yeah, we want to.
5: And I think a customer wants more of a clear communication. Um, so yeah. I think it's been good. I think you have to think of the consumer's perspective, and there's so many different messages, and if we can make that more clear.
3: Well, ultimately, it, it, I, I think it really does come down to product. Customers focus on price all the time, but it's really interesting. If you ask somebody who's bought a car uh, a year ago or longer what they paid for it, they can't hit it within three grand. What did e- you pay for your last uh, Subaru?
6: <laughs> See, Great. we just got our payment under ten thousand dollars. Oh, Brian. excellent! I know that. Okay,
3: so you know the payoff, <laughs> yep. and you know what color it is, but knows, but hardly. Dan knows
6: because this... he's the
5: one that pays all the bills. <laughs> okay, but I think two product, but also the experience they have with inside the dealership. Yeah. you know, Walzer, Maury's, all you guys have that one price philosophy. That's a wonderful way to walk into a dealership, and then they remember the customer experience they have at the store. So,
3: Andy. Your sister's signaling. I'm
6: telling you to take turn my mic off.
3: Oh, are you leaving? No, no, I'll be right back. Oh, oh. You got are you going, going out to fart?
6: <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: no. no. no I don't know where gets it from. I'll explain, Kathy. Okay. There was an obituary. A guy died yesterday, and the the he had all girls. It sounded like, and they wrote him an obituary, <laughs> and they talked about the fact that his da- their dad, bought a dog and named the dog Fart. Just so his wife would have to stand at the door at night going,
0: Fart <laughs> How
2: great is that. I think it's just wonderful. <laughs> you got your wife yeah. screaming fart down the street. That's great. All right, I want to
3: get off farts and go back to something <laughs> yeah, you well, say. You brought it so up. You're a fan of the one price model. That's intru- what a lot of people that aren't from the Twin Cities don't realize is this is an unusual market. And that because there's so many one-price dealers, and the ones that aren't, I call them one-price light. They use, um, Luther uses a model market called value value yeah. pricing. And I and it's, uh, it, Mazda's an interesting deal because I know all the guys in town. I used to work with Charlie Rizzulli at Maury's. Yeah.
5: So. Another unique thing about Mazda is you guys all get along. And yeah. We all play well together. And we sell
3: more cars than almost any other yeah. market. And we co- so.
5: cooperate on our advertise. I mean, it's a very unique market.
3: It is, and that's—it's a good thing, and I think that provides a great customer experience. We don't want you to go any of those second-class stores, but Kathy, <laughs> oh Kathy will God. be fine with it if you do. No, David Luther, if you're listening, I'm just kidding, sir.
2: <laughs> but Danny, not you, because you're probably still warming up on the uh, driving range. Yeah, he's on the pouring rain, on the
3: back nine at Pebble right now. I as would not speak. doubt it, Ben. I think Danny does play a fair amount of golf, oh, from what I've been he told.
2: Always a possibility. I miss Danny. I haven't seen him in a long time.
3: So what is the what does Mazda corporate think of the? Do they ever talk to you about the Twin Cities market being unusual, or are they just?
5: Oh, not ever. They do it all the time. Really? Um, it's very very unique market. I, I mentioned ten percent of the market share on that CX five. Yeah. We have extremely high customer satisfaction. Oh, we were
3: ten percent of the U.S.
5: Oh, no, of the Minneapolis um, CUV market. Oh okay. Oh okay. But our market Which is share huge. In Minneapolis is. You know, 7.1%, I yeah. think, which triples the national. Yeah, because you're, what, 2% interest. nationally? Yeah, so we're, you know. Um, That's amazing. And the customer satisfaction is ridiculously high. Dealer loyalty is ridiculously high. And I think it has to say a lot about the dealers here in Minneapolis, a lot about the one-price messaging. You give the customers ease of doing business, your beautiful facilities you have here, and the, the amazing product that Mazda makes. I think Mazda has very unique, fun-to-drive product that... Really centered around the customer.
3: So. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. One of my favorite people in, in Mazda, I don't know what his position now is, uh, 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 Robert Davis. And he was, he's like a car guy's car guy because oh, yeah. he loves product, he loves racing, he's gregarious, he's funnier than hell. Um, rather large fellow and he would show up at the dealer meeting and when it was her- his turn to talk, he'd walk out and say something like, I know you've been all all been waiting for the eye candy. Yeah. So but he would Mazda's well, a small enough company, you know, I'm just a I'm an employee. I work for a mm-hmm. dealer group and you could talk product with them, having cocktails. And they said and this was uh, mid late two thousands and Mazda was working on Uh, diesel Mm six it was in development forever and like god robert when are you gonna because we're having problems with it we can't get it you know to pass emissions and and i wish i could talk to him now and say you now i understand because i remember telling him well volkswagen figured it out why don't you just ask them how they did it well volkswagen cheated and it cost them billions and billions and billions of dollars so hats off to mazda for doing the right thing and not you know trying to, to cheat the system but you know we Back in the late 2000s, fuel prices were much more volatile than they are now today, and they'd shoot up, and, we're, and, and we knew the diesel technology existed with Mazda. They just couldn't bring it into the U.S., and it's like a, a six that gets 55 miles a gallon? We, we'd sell every one you can make for us,
5: mm-hmm.
3: and they, they could never get it in, but I remember distinctly sitting at a bar at a dealer show talking to him about yeah, that. And,
5: yeah. He's still involved. He's more in the racing now, which was really his passion. So he's involved in Which
3: is in odd because he would have a hard time getting into a race car. But race car drivers now are about Cassie yeah. size. Yeah. And
5: but he's real passionate about yeah. Mazda Motorsports, and he's still involved with that. And he's been with the company, you know, for forever. Yeah, so. forever
3: and ever. Yep. Yeah. yep. He's just. Uh,
5: he's not out in the markets as much, but he's still involved.
3: And probably knows what's going on. You know, there's. I've been lucky enough to meet a few people like that. In my career. Uh, Bob Lutz was another guy. I met Mm him in Detroit. He was uh, he's a larger than life character. For the people that don't know the Bob Lutz story, you should look it up. He's a General Motors guy, but he did a stint at BMW when BMW was nothing and came up with a ad slogan that turned them into something incredible, which was BMW the ultimate driving machine. Mm -hmm. That was the early 90s, and then all of a sudden they went. But this guy, I think he was a Marine fighter pilot, Mm -hmm. and he's just a really interesting dude. And he's 85, and he's got the mental acuity of somebody that's 40. So it's really cool to meet people like that because they're passionate about our business, which is unusual. You know, I think of your business as making fasteners. But cars are cool.
5: I don't know if you saw the group of... um... Visitors come into Walzer Mazda yesterday. I, I did.
3: I, I got out of the way because I wasn't. Re- I wasn't. I was kind of dressed like yeah. this, and I'm like, and I don't want to get Kathy in trouble. So
5: we had a bunch of visitors from Hiroshima yesterday. To they came to Minneapolis. Her- to
3: Hiroshima is where the big Mazda assembly plant. That's where are, our headquarters right? is. Yep.
5: Correct. Yep, our world headquarters. And they came to talk about towing capacity. Um, and so they had to
3: fly all the way here to talk about towing capacity. And, and why
5: it's so important in Minneapolis because they couldn't believe that it. it's one of the highest markets of boat ownership yeah and considering oh, when they yeah. look at our weather they're yeah. like how can that possibly be you have two months of boating weather so they want well to we're talk stupid about but we that. have a lot of money
3: kath we're going to take a quick break and we'll get back to uh, towing capacity right. and people from
2: hiroshima okay tom here for saber plumbing heating and air conditioning right now saber and bryant are teaming up to offer zero percent financing for 36 months It's Tom telling you that you can lose an average of 26.2 pounds on the 40-day weight loss program powered by Nutramost. I lost 92.5 pounds in less than five months thanks to the Sheehy brothers and the Ultimate Wellness and Weight Loss Program powered by Nutramost. And I encourage you to let them help you lose weight as they teach you how to stay healthy and keep that weight off. Take it from me, having a coach keeps you accountable and it makes achieving your goals so much easier. Let the Ultimate Wellness and Weight Loss Program powered by Nutramost help you. Schedule your immediate consultation or attend the Nutrimost free dinner at 6.30 p.m. on Monday, August 19th at Jake's in Plymouth. Call now, 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Study data comes from clients submitted data to a third party for tracking of daily weight loss and progress in the Nutrimost weight loss programs. See website for full disclaimer details. Who's
3: this? This is baby, you can tow my boat, right? Isn't that like a flame white
1: teaser or yeah. something? According to Kevin. Oh my gosh!
6: I'm so <laughs> glad I'm not on when he's on anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, well, Kevin didn't I know who the kidding. Beatles were.
1: Yeah, he didn't.
6: Well, know he's
2: what, 26 years old. Yeah.
1: Well, he didn't know what a certain song was.
2: I don't think he knew no, who the like, Beatles were either.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he thought
6: one of the songs. Isn't that the Plain White? No! Didn't, didn't they, sing they sing Hey There Delilah? Delilah? That's
1: yeah. what it was. And I'm oh, like, God. are you kidding me? Let's not forget oh, about I just snorted on air. <laughs> a professional golfer
2: time. Rory McElroy at the British Open. The Open about four years ago he was asked to name one of the Beatles and he said George Lucas. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's pretty funny. George Lucas. George Lucas, you know. Whatever. Yeah, it's the whole. You know, what's weird about that though? I will tell you. I knew my mother's music and my grandmother's music, yeah. so I I knew who Rudy Valley was when I was a little boy, and I knew who I Glenn Miller was. I knew who
6: Miller Rudy was. Valley was yeah, I mean, when I was yeah. a girl. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. is
2: what I'm saying. But some people now they have they it's they, there's a cutoff of whoever was on the radio when I was a kid, and I don't know anything other than that. So. Yeah, that's, that's most people I think.
0: It's, it's
4: probably
3: very is most weird It is odd. I have an interesting story that just came across the wires this morning. It doesn't have anything to do with Mazda it has to do with the car business you know we think we're on this watershed of change with ride sharing and all this sort of stuff and one of the things that was a popular idea probably five or six years ago is called subscription services mm-hmm. uh, cadillac was one of the first ones porsche has one uh, and basically what that means is you give cadillac a set number of dollars per month like two grand and then you have your pick of what you want to drive. So if you've got a bunch of people coming in and you want to drive an Escalade for four days, they'll deliver it to your place, so on and so forth. And Porsche does that as well. Well, Ford tried a subscription service. They're like, Well, we can't can't get left behind. We have to do this and blah, 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 blah. They just sold it to uh, uh, Canvas, which is, or Fair. Um, The Canvas was the name of the Ford subscription service. And those of you probably don't know Fair or who Scott Painter is, but Scott is notorious in the car business for being the guy that developed True Car uh, ten or eleven years ago, mm. and went on Cameron saying my job is to put uh, automotive dealers out of business. Didn't go over very well, Probably and he wasn't not. on the board, so he started this deal up, and Ford just said, you know, we think that the, the there isn't the sea change coming that we initially thought, and I think. I don't want to be negative and say that there's a recession right around the corner, but you can hear the belts being t- uh, tightened in the corporate world, not only automobiles but kind of everywhere else right now. Things are going really, really well, but it's like, yeah, maybe if this isn't. I think I, I, I didn't talk to Mark Fields. He won't call me back. He's the head of Ford. and I, he, I don't have his number. I'm Do you kidding. want me to talk to him? Uh, yeah. Uh, let me find it here, 007. Yeah, hey, I was talking to Henry.
2: Uh, he told me to call you. Yeah.
3: So it's interesting is, you know, we think that all these things are going to change, and I don't know. One of the things that I do think is going to change is electric vehicles, and I don't know if Mazda's in there in the future. They've they've always had different engine technology, which I kind of admire. The whole Active stuff I think is really, really cool. But um, interestingly enough, a lot of people, and I don't know why this is, there seems to be... Uh, a big segment of the population that thinks electric vehicles are horrible. It's it's like almost like it's un-American or something. I think like, there's
5: still a lot of confusion.
3: Yeah. Oh, completely. Oh, really? you know, yeah.
5: And the manufacturers don't come out and and say what we're exactly going to do. Which either. leads
3: us into the story. And I love to give stories to Tom from the cold read. Oh, go ahead.
2: I'm going to do a cold read. Yeah. Now I should mention, by the way, I've had what three
0: electric cars. Oh. Yeah. yeah he had
3: one of the first Teslas in the U.S.
0: I did. Yeah. Uh, I'd Minnesota. have one if I drove more than 1,000 miles a year. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I drive less than 1,000 miles a year. Yeah, I only drive so. about, what, 25 miles?
5: How do you get from here to there to where?
0: Well, for the <laughs> longest time I lived.
2: <laughs> you realize
3: Kathy hates you. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't at
5: all. I think it's very
0: interesting. Go, Andy, <laughs> I lived walking distance to work that's awesome. for several years. So Yeah, that you did. Mm-hmm. All right. I have not seen this, so this is a good Well, you know, I always cold
3: read stuff. You're great at it.
2: Uh, You want me to read the headline? Yeah, read the whole thing. Okay, Ford tries to, to quash EV myths. With a number of electric vehicles on the way starting next year, Ford has started an educational campaign to address widespread misconceptions about the technology. The man in charge of vehicle electrification at Ford Motor Company says even his own family members have had trouble understanding how battery electric vehicles work. With a number of EVs on the way, starting next year, Ford has started an educational campaign to address widespread misconceptions about the technology. Yeah, you've said that three times now. I know. They've said it three times now already. It's widespread. It's confusing. Uh, It's (laughs)
6: widespread.
2: There remains a gap between what an electric vehicle can do and what customers believe they can do, Ted Canis Ford's global director of electrification wrote in a blog post, the automaker created several myth-busting videos to demonstrate the vehicle's capability and commissioned a survey of 3,000 people in the U.S., Europe, and China. According to Canis' blog, the survey revealed more than 90% of Americans and Europeans don't believe quick acceleration is a great benefit of electric vehicles. And if you've ever driven a Tesla, S, it'll blow your eyeballs right through the back of your head. You can only do
3: it for about 10 minutes, but they're phenomenally
2: fast. It slams you back in that seat. There's yeah. no doubt. That Tesla Roadster I had, man, and they, the ELR, the Cadillac ELR, that was the same way. Yeah. A lot of power. It was yeah. wonderful. 42% of Americans think electric vehicles still require gas to run. Oh, yeah, because of the
0: hybrid. It's probably because of... uh well, Yeah, they call hybrids electric sometimes. It's very it's confusing. Like, so yeah. it's like it is Prius
3: is a good example of that. And the Chevy... Volt was probably the most notorious one. They should have called that anything oh, yeah. other than that because people thought they were all electric vehicles and oh, didn't yeah. realize they had engines.
2: In
0: they it. should have called it the half bolt. Who makes the Prius? <laughs> no, it would have been, been much it? more clear.
2: Who makes that previous or what's it called? The I Prius? don't remember. The Prius. Some, the Prius.
3: some, some startup
2: company. Was oh, it Toyota? <laughs> I think it is. The worst drivers on the road drive Prius. Have you ever noticed that? That's
3: I have like... actually. A lot of them are pretty aggressive too. Which oh, is weird. God, yeah. It's like I'm getting great gas mileage, so I get to cut you off.
2: One of my favorite yeah. was the first time I ever heard of a Prius uh, getting in a little minor fender bender. Uh, former Mayor R. T. Ryback of Minneapolis got a got a Prius. Somebody told me you're supposed to put it in park when you leave. And it rolled down the hill and hit another car. Oh, no. But how, he had to have left it in neutral. He must have. But how can you leave an electric vehicle in neutral? Well, those shifters are a little weird if they, you've they ever done the Prius. I especially the
3: early generation ones. They, that was something that you, you'd want to pay attention during the delivery process.
2: Because I don't think you could put the ELR in neutral. No.
3: Well, uh, i trying to remember.
2: I can't remember if you could or not. But, but Tesla, I know you couldn't. Uh, They would not roll. The Tesla Roadster would not move unless you were accelerating. It just wouldn't move. You couldn't push it. It, it, It's called bricking, actually. Close to 80% of Americans would not pick an electric vehicle for extreme weather, while nearly 65% would not choose one for all-wheel drive. What does that have to do with that? I know.
3: So that's kind of my point. It uh, is is your point. It's a good point. People are – I don't think they understand the technology, Mm -hmm. and I think when battery – Technology continues to get better and cheaper, and if and or when we move to alternative energies, I I think it's just a matter of time before most of the stuff we drive is electric. It's a ways down the road, but you know, in terms of towing capacity, back to what you were saying, I saw a uh, press release of a prototype. It was an all-electric F-150, and it was towing like 40,000 tons of railroad cars down the track. It didn't t- do it far, yeah. and they weren't going uphill. Right, you no. know, it was a right. publicity stunt. But right. it, but it is interesting. It's uh,
4: we'll see.
2: Finally, over two thirds of Americans, sixty seven percent, and Europeans, sixty eight percent, don't believe
0: that electric vehicles are capable enough in terms of towing and hauling. Yeah, I think one big problem Power's there power. is that a direct analog to fossil fuel versus electricity that you see a lot is things like chainsaws, uh, lawnmowers, yeah. blowers, and in that case, the electric version is almost always inferior. Yeah. Oh, is it? But that's because the voltage that your house can put out is so limited. That's true. Whereas the car is dealing with a much, much higher voltage. But that's people see, it's point. like, oh, well, if a, an electric lawnmower can't do anything, then how could an electric car possibly be doing anything but...
5: And the infrastructure of the cities, and where do I plug in? What do I do? Do I need it in my garage? There's a lot of questions in the public's mind, I think.
2: You know why Doug does that, by the way? Why? Because he wants to see me make a mistake and copy I've never seen. It's never going to (laughs) happen.
3: You cold-read stuff all the time.
2: I know, but you try to get me to trip up. No, no, no. no, Never. No, I don't do that.
3: We were doing a story. I had him read a story last week. Actually... And here I am listening to public radio. They have a show a called show. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And one of the, the standard things they have is each of the comedians on the show reads a news story, and only one of them are real. And mm-hmm. the contestant mm-hmm. has to guess who the other, the, the fake one, was. And they did the story you read last week about Nissan's autonomous golf balls. And nobody got it right. They're like, that's a thing? Nissan's showing off their ProPilot technology. Yeah. They made autonomous golf balls just to. I think that was kind of funny. The so thing. they didn't funny. get it? Well, the, I mean, it's kind of an outrageous story, and so well, the other suppose, two yeah, stories are suppose, equally yeah. outrageous. Yeah. And it was about trying to, uh, one of them was about a golf club trying to spruce up the game of golf by having a shot clock and defensive players that could <sighs> right. catch balls in the air and throw them into the woods. It was kind of <laughs> funny. So they were all golf-related, golf and you go, God, which one which of these is real. actually right? Yeah, totally. Nissan Autonomous? That can't be it. So Anyway.
2: God, what a world. When are they going to do that deal at Rolls-Royce where you can just take one of their cars out for four days and then bring it back? <laughs> do we even have a... Does Sears still do Rolls-Royce? No, Royce not, they haven't not been a roller anymore.
3: dealer for, God, probably 20, 25 years. I think mm. the closest one's Chicago. Is it really? Yep.
2: Because there used to be... a. Where Lercot is now used to be a Rolls-Royce dealership. Right across the street from the Basilica when I was a little boy. Oh, really? It was a Rolls-Royce dealership. And it was not part of it. It was a Rolls-Royce dealership. Wow. Yeah, I mean, right down there,
0: right across from the Basilica. Yeah. Autoguide.com says there are none in Minnesota. None.
3: No, we knew that. If there wasn't one in Minneapolis, it's not likely they were going to have one in Wilmer.
2: Yeah, or Brainerd. <laughs> Wilmer. Or probably not. <laughs> Never know. One of my favorite things about Rolls-Royces is if you need four new tires, it's $6,000, and if you need windshield wipers, it's three $3,000. Yeah. We
3: sell a couple okay. of cars like that down in Wichita <laughs> like, that are whoa. just like, wow. God it's amazing. Yeah actually with, the Nissan makes a car called the GTR. They they don't build very many of them. It's a oh, yeah. supercar and I think brake jobs on those are like 20 20 grand.
2: Uh, oh my god. 20 grand?
3: Yeah. Well you need to stop.
2: Oh my god. You do. 20 grand. Well
3: some you. some of the exotic cars like these high-end Ferraris and Bugattis I think you know you almost have to disassemble the car to change the oil they're so
2: Yeah, that's true. Small yeah, that is true. Anyway, by the way I should mention that Walzer Collision they're the nicest people in the world over there. Oh cool. They are. They were very did very Darren pleasant.
3: finally picked up Now did you drop it off or did you I they dropped pick it up? Off.
2: I dropped it off and I'm driving a
3: Where at in Bloomington? Yeah. Oh, so you met Mark. Yeah. He's a great guy. I,
2: well, I knew Mark from before.
3: Oh, that's right. He's Done a lot of body work for me with four teenagers. We
1: have a caller. Okay. I believe his name is
2: Tom. Hello, who is it?
7: Hey Doug. Got a question for you about uh, the emissions on the newer pickups. Yeah. What's uh what's the real deal with the uh deletes? Can they still be traded in? With the what? If you had them deleted.
3: Delete the emissions? Yes. Boy, I don't know. Any, I, You've got me at a complete disadvantage. I have never heard of that before.
7: Well, in trucking, that's the problem we're having with the emissions. And I know a lot of guys are going and deleting, getting rid of the DEF and the DPF huh the program and so this is, semis, this is this is one I, with, this is
3: be one ton and higher trucks i'm sure you're talking about
7: well no i need duramax anything anything with a the diesel they're uh i know a lot of people that got programs that are deleting them but i know the semis you can't we can't buy one from a dealer the, the dealer won't touch them deleted because the yeah, so federal road.
3: Uh, federal EPA restrictions, because, you know, I, I haven't heard of the, the delete on diesels before, but, you know, back when Fast and Furious cars were really common and all the kids had them, they'd rip the cats off them all the time and then try to trade them in. It's like, we can't, it's illegal for us to resell these. So you're going to have to put the cats back in so the emission systems work, otherwise you can't trade it. And um, I, 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 I told, don't know I for told, sure. I
7: was told that... I was told that on the pickups, the dealers can deal with them. But, you the know, I, would, like, I, a, I, like a Peterbilt dealership for a big truck, I asked him, why Why can't you guys take them in on trade? He says, because if it gets caught down the road, it goes, the government fines the dealer $10,000 a day that truck was in service. For oh, one, yeah. they had Ooh. any money.
3: Yep, that, and that is correct. So, you know, the only way a dealer, I think, could do it would be to, You know, when we look at trade ins, we have something called ACV or actual cash value. That's what we would write the check for on the open market. It's different than trade allowance in a negotiating dealership. They might show, let's say that we think something's worth 10 grand. We might show you more than that, but at the end of the day, to the dealer, as a piece of inventory, it's worth 10 grand. So if it took 1,500 or 2 grand or whatever, and I'm just pulling numbers out of the air to get the car so it would be legal. Uh, in the eyes of the EPA, we would just lower the ACV by that amount and then repair the vehicle before it's offered for sale. Because, yeah, dealers aren't going to take It's not worth the risk of uh, of, of the federal government coming uh, so after uh, with the big fine.
7: The pain in the ass is my Peterbilt, my turbo went out a couple months ago. $5,700 just for a turbo. Wow.
3: Well, let me ask you this. How many miles on your peep before the turbo went bad?
7: Uh, 400 and, about 4, 475,000. I, I, I was going to
3: guess it was half a million because, you know, a lot of people that don't know how many miles these uh big semis put on are always astounded. So you, would you drive 100,000 miles a year?
7: No, I do more than that. Do you really? Okay.
3: So that's about three years worth of use before the turbo goes out.
7: Yeah, but it's just, I'm used to the I'm used to the fifteen hundred dollar turbos on an old caterpillar motor. <laughs> I had the shop fix it and they send me the bill, I said, You better go put your cheaters on and recalculate yeah. that and he's like, honest to God, he says, That's not even with the actuator for the VGT. Well then of course they change apparently Cummins changed their their ordering deal, so I was in a hurry to get the turbo put in, so they didn't send the VGT, or the actuator, I mean. And, you know, $5,700 for a turbo, got about a month and a half, and the actuator went, so then you're coughing up another $1,600 just for that.
3: Well, Kathy from Mazda was talking about uh, towing capacities for CX-9s, but unfortunately we're out of time, and I doubt you could haul a semi with a CX-9. Nope.
5: Not right now. Probably true. <laughs>
3: anyway, folks, thanks for calling in. Uh, I'm sorry I wasn't able to be more speak more intelligently. That was just uh, something that I, I, I learned something, which is good.
2: I just looked up at the clock and went, Wally's next.
3: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of Car Selling Secrets. Tune in next week. Thank you very much for being on the show, Kathy.
5: You're welcome. Fun.